You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see how beautiful life can be when you soften your heart you can finally start to live your truthiest life hello and welcome back to the truthiest life it's your host lisa haim Last week, I put out an episode sharing my 10 tips and tools to make new friends in adulthood. There were lots of shares on social media. My DMs were flooded with thank you notes and letting me know how it's going. And I want to say thank you so much for sharing your feedback, sharing on social media, and letting me know that the information was helpful. As I was going through the own process of that awkward adulthood making friends situation, I got the intuitive hit, the download that said, share this information with other people. And I'm so glad that I listened because it was met with receptive and willing ears. And now I'm getting to kind of see how your lives are unfolding because of these tips and tools. So continue to share with me how it's going and how your life begins to change as you look to the world with an openness and a willingness to realize that new people that can change your life are available every step of the way. This week's guest is Afia Salter. She's a manifestation and mindset coach, but her life wasn't always so manifesty and picture perfect. Believe it or not, she was orphaned at the age of 14. And as a result of that, she developed a belief that she was something that things just happened to and not for. She was always waiting for something to go wrong for that shoe to drop. And as she was saying all of this, all I could think about was even though I have a completely different upbringing to Afia, I can relate. And I know that that feeling of waiting for the shoe to drop can be really paralyzing and it can block us from all the good that can possibly go right in our lives too. 
A few months ago, I had on guest Kathleen Cameron, another manifestation and mindset coach. I know that you all love that episode. She's the woman that made 15 plus million dollars. And I know that there was a big impact from that. And I'm really excited to bring on another manifestation and mindset coach, especially one who's completely different than Kathleen and brings a new perspective to the conversation. Effie's process is really different because it's about understanding your past and digging through the difficult emotions in order to move forward into the future and not trudge all of that with you. I think a lot of times in the manifestation world, we see a lot of like, just think happy thoughts. But as Effie so eloquently states in this episode, we really can't move forward without acknowledging the negative, the sadness, our grief, and the painful moments. Her story is unique to me at least, and perhaps you don't have a similar one to hers, but she brings up a really important point that I just want to reiterate. We cannot bypass grief, pain, or sadness. We need to go through these steps as we feel them. And although these big, scary emotions feel too scary to touch and we'd rather just wish them away or manifest our way into the future, we cannot outrun them. There is a process to manifestation and it does not include bypassing the negative emotions. In this episode, at the time of the recording, I was like very, very sick. So I'm super congested and my audio also got messed up. So there's a little bit clicking. Just want to give you a little forewarning. You might be a little bit agitated by that, but please stick with it because Afia's message is super important. Her story is incredible and I know she'll make a really big impact on your life. If you love this episode, please share on social media, leave a review and let me know how you like it. I'll see you here back next week. All right. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life, everybody. Today we have another special guest, Effia Solter. Did I say your name right? You did. You did. Nailed it. It's one of those that I keep tripping up in my head because I want to say Effia. It's E-F-I-A. Now I'm getting in my head again. You say your name beautifully. So let's you kick it off. Thank you. Yes, it's Sophia. You know, for a time, I actually got confused how to pronounce my own name because most of my friends are Scottish. So they would say Effia. And I was like, oh yeah, Effia. And then I was like, I don't think that's actually how I say it. <laughs> so it's taken me a while to come back to the truth of what my own name is. Effia, I love that. And I had to actually have it known how to, I know how to say my own last name, but to your own point, I let other people say it for a long time and would say, I don't care. And then only in the past two years, in my 30s have I been like no it's actually hame like name <laughs> you know that's what it, mm. it rhymes with but to your point it is about owning your your truth and correcting people on the subtleties that are probably the most important parts of our being that's very true yeah Okay. So you've already kind of led with an interesting accent and you're joining us all the way from Australia. So let's just start by giving people a little bit of a background on where you're from and where you're living. Yeah. So I actually grew up in Scotland, but I've been living in Australia for the past five years. So I moved here in 2016 for a year and I thought that would be it. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to stay in Australia for a year, kind of figure out the direction that I want to take my life in. And then a year very quickly turned into five. And it's definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made, although it was very challenging at the time. I bet. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 28 now. So I ask that because you are a mindset and manifestation coach, and this will go live in a few weeks from now. So there'll be a little bit of separation, but we recently had an amazing manifestation coach come on as well, who lives a completely different reality from you. She's a white woman from Canada who's 38, I believe, and she's got two kids and she's in just a completely different life 
than you're currently living. Yet you do similar work in that you help people live their their best lives. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I think something about manifestation coaching is that many people see it as just the results that people get. That it's just like helping people manifest more money or helping people manifest a business success. But a lot of it is helping people become who they truly are. And I think that's the part that excites me the most because with every goal attached, there's a deeper meaning behind why we want it. With every change that we make, there's a reason that connects so deeply to our identity. And I think when it comes down to change, that really identity is the deepest layer of change. So when you can change who you perceive yourself to be, and that's not even saying like the current version of you isn't enough, like you need to change so much, you need to be better, you need to be elevated. But it's like just peeling back everything that actually isn't you peeling back all the things that you thought you needed to be or who you were told to be to be the truth of who you are there's so much to your story personally that drew me in and i want to make sure that our audience really gets to know you first and then what you do but you said something really interesting that i just want to touch on where i think a lot of manifestation in the modern world and perhaps maybe not even just the modern world maybe the traditional manifestation world too there's always like that emphasis on luxury and money. And, you know, the last guest that I brought on hers was about money too. But like you just said, there's something usually underneath the goal for people. Can you share a little bit about what sort of things are under that goal and how we can see beyond that? I think one of the biggest things that I've seen in the work that I do with my clients is developing a sense of trust. And whether that's trust in the universe or trust in themselves, manifestation is really the gateway to learning where there are areas that need a bit of love and the vehicle to finding out which those areas are is the goals that we set for ourselves. So someone may come saying like, oh, I just want to find out, like, I just need a sign from the universe whether I should leave my job or I just need a sign from the universe whether this is the path I should take. Um, and I maybe this is a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I don't actually believe that we should ask the universe for signs because I believe that's externalizing your permission. That's externalizing the validation that you need. And typically when we ask for a sign from the universe, we already know what answer we would like. So why wait for the universe to give us the answer? Why not just give ourselves that answer? And I think learning to trust yourself more is one of the ways to really, you know, live a deep, authentic life is because you are, the, you know, you are the keeper to your keys. You know what you want most truly. And so as a manifestation coach, I'm not teaching people how to be better or how to be different. I'm teaching them how to be authentically themselves, whatever that means for them. Love that. And obviously very in line with this podcast. What's the first thing that you would ask somebody who comes to work with you to get them going inward and learning more about themselves? So typically when people go to manifestation, where they would start is the space of intention, which is like, this is what I want to have. Let's go out and manifest it. Uh, and what I realized after an experience of mine. So I had been learning conscious manifestation for several years and I was like, yeah, you know, I've got this. I'm the manifestation queen. I can manifest whatever I like, which is a good energy to have. But I created <laughs> this vision board based on that energy. And when I looked back at it a couple of years later, I was like, wait, nothing on this vision board actually manifested. And when I was looking over those things, what I realized is that none of them were really an integrity for me. I'd put things on there of a place of like, oh, this would look good. Or this is where other people from my age are at. Or this is what people back home are doing. Oh, this will make me look legitimate if I have this number of followers. But on a like soul level, none of those things really resonated with me. And that's when I kind of realized the disconnect between um, intention and embodiment. So when clients come to me, 
I take them through my five-step method for aligned manifestation. And the very first step of that is embodying the vibe of your higher self. So if someone were to come to me and they're at the beginning and they we wanted to get started together before jumping into like, okay, this is what you want to have. This is what you want to change. I'd be like, okay, who are you right now? What are your values? What are your likes? What are your dislikes? Like, who are you as a person? And then from that point, we can be like, okay, well, who do you want to be? What's different? What's not resonating from there? And you can see the difference between where you are now and where you want to be. And then from there, you can build your intentions out of there to get to the person you want to be rather than just these are arbitrary things that I want to have. Because that way, not only are you going to have much more deeper attachment to the things that you're creating, which is important when sometimes challenges are going to come up, things may not happen as quickly as you like. Do you need to have a reason deeper than this is going to make me look good to actually stick with something and also it's going to mean that you're manifesting things that are in integrity with your wider vision right i think you you put that so beautifully and i love the wording intention versus embodiment in my own line of work with nutrition and helping people learn to listen to their bodies we also do a lot of value work because so many people like you said they want to look good or they want whatever you know their their initial goal is But when we go back to the values, when we start asking the questions, we find out that there's a lot more to them, which ends up dictating where they're going. So I think that with all self-improvement work, whatever it is, we have to stop jumping towards the future and start going backwards a little bit in order to really get to the place that we want to go to. So it's cool that you looked back on your board and was like, I didn't achieve these things and you didn't write off manifestation or the self-work. Instead, you said these things didn't happen for me because they're not actually in alignment with who I am and who I want. And that's, that's the level of the law of attraction that I'm slowly chipping away at. It's not you wish it and you get it. It's you become that and it finds you. Does that make sense as a non-expert here? Yes, that totally resonates. That totally resonates. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for 
more info now. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. So before we dive further into like your work and how you're impacting so many women, your story is really I don't want to say heartbreaking because I don't feel bad for you. I think you are really empowering, but, but it definitely pulls on, on the heartstrings thinking of, of you as a young person. Uh, can you share a little bit about growing up in your early years? So growing up for me was definitely one of the most challenging periods of my life, but it certainly didn't begin that way. So up until the age of three, I was in the care system, mainly in foster care. And at age three, I was adopted and I really thought like that was it. That was me out of the care system for good. And this is me like in a happy and loving family. And I really did have a great life. Like my sister and I growing up together in Scotland in this tiny town, it was a very unique experience, especially like being the only black kids for a very, very long way. But unfortunately, when I was 10, my mom got diagnosed with cancer and over the next four years, very quickly began to deteriorate. And so throughout that time, I had to grow up incredibly quickly. And unfortunately, my mom passed away when I was 14, which left my sister, my brother and I orphaned as she was a single parent. So we were then again in that situation of going back into the care system of our lives, being completely up in the air and also having dealt with the loss of a parent as well, which is something that we never expected to happen. When someone is ill for so long, you just like, oh, this is just part of our life that they're ill all the time. You don't think that they're one day eventually, you know, not going to make it any further. So it was very, very difficult to deal with, but not because I was so overridden with grief, but because I didn't actually allow myself to feel that grief. I didn't allow myself to process that because in my mind, feeling that grief at that time would have made me fall behind in school. It would have not allowed me to show up fully. So for me, I was like, well, if I want to have all the things that my friends are having, if I want to have the same experiences that everyone else is having, I just need to keep push forward and pretend that my life is the same as everyone else's. When obviously it wasn't, but to me, that was the belief that I embodied at that time. And then over the next couple of years, my gran, who was my mom's parent, my she passed away six months later. And then um, a year after that, my friend at school passed away. So it was really compounding all of those emotional experiences. I began to experience anxiety for the first time, depression for the first time, although I didn't really have names for them at that time. I was just like, why am I not sleeping? And I actually had this experience where I went to the doctor and I was like, hey, yeah, I've been really struggling with insomnia. And I was like 15 at this time. It's like, I've been really struggling with some insomnia. So if you could just give me some sleeping pills, that would be great. And then she's asking me questions, you know, it's like going back to that like intention and like what's really going on here. And she's asking me some questions and she's like, okay, like, I don't think it's just like lack of sleep. I think you might be experiencing depression. And at that time, we're like 15 years ago, you know, people weren't really talking about mental health things. I didn't know anyone who had depression. So I was like, what? No, this could never be me. So that was really confronting. And again, something that I didn't really allow myself to face. And when you have all of these things that you're not facing, it doesn't it doesn't go away, even though you think that's what's happening when you're not dealing with something in the moment, it just compounds to come out at a later time in your life. And so that is what happened. I got through school. I got through my childhood years. I was an extreme overachiever um, to the point of extreme burnout. And then 
it all kind of blew up in my face. When I was 21, I'd graduated from my first degree. I'd got a first class honors and I was going back to uni to study for my master's because I wasn't really sure what to do next. And then I just had this intense period of, I don't actually know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know where to go next. I don't know what my identity is as a black woman growing up in Scotland, number one, as a black woman growing up without parents and as a black woman trying to find her identity in the world feeling like I have no one to truly guide me. So, I mean, you very concisely summed up a lot of trauma, a lot of hardship and kind of very neatly packaged what actually wasn't very neat at all. So do you mind if we go back a little bit and kind of of learn about, because you've come so far and I think in order to understand your true bright journey, like you sit right now, we're on Zoom, like very calm, collective, owning your truth, helping lots of women do the same type of thing. We got to kind of go back there. So the beginning part, age one to three, you were in the foster care in Scotland, right? No, this is in London. Yeah. Initially. You're initially in London. Okay. So you've lived in a lot. Well, just this all kind of speaks to your identity, right? It's like you're hopping around in London. Do you have any memories of that? No, none. And then your mom adopts you and brings you to Scotland. Yeah. Okay. And is she a white woman? She's Ghanaian Scottish. She's what in Scottish? Uh, Ghanaian. Ghana and Scotland from Ghana. Okay. So she's from Ghana and Scotland. Interesting. And does she have any children of her own? Um, No. So she adopts you and you said your brother and your sister. Yeah. So my brother came quite a lot later on. She adopted him separately. So she adopted my sister and I together. And then I think maybe seven years later, seven, seven, eight years later, adopted my brother, little brother. Okay. And uh, if it's okay to ask you, are they your biological siblings? Um, my sister is my biological sibling and my brother's my adopted sibling. When you were going through foster care, did you move together? No, we didn't initially. We There were a couple of places where we stayed together, but there were times where we were not living together as well. Are you still very close with her? Oh, yeah. I'm going to her wedding this year. She's getting ah. married. So sister's all grown up. Amazing. I mean, those siblings can be your rock through the most challenging of times. And I'm glad that you had her and your brother to go through this very murky experience. So I I think you said something really poignant that, of course, at your age, it would be very difficult to grieve and learn how to grieve. But I think it's something that regardless of your age happens to most people when they go through loss, this idea that in order to get back to work, to get back to our lives, we have to keep pushing through and it does catch up with us. I've seen it happen to myself. I've seen it happen to friends. And yet it's such a difficult thing to do. Were there times during that where you felt called to grieve, but were afraid to go there? Um, I think I just really didn't really didn't let myself go there. I do remember though, when my friend passed away, it was a very sudden tragic accident and none of us found out until we got to school. And then I got to school and everyone's like crying and leaving. And then I asked someone what happened. And I remember just being like paralyzed by shock. And I just like felt like I couldn't move. And I was just stood there crying. And one of my teachers came downstairs and got me and took me up to her room. And I just kind of like sat in there and cried for a bit. And that was the first time that I really remember like actually expressing how I was truly feeling in the moment. And I think maybe seeing other people expressing how they were feeling had allowed me to express how I was feeling at that time as well. Because my perception previously had been that I'd seen kids at school and they'd had a parent pass away and they'd taken some time out to process that. And then when they came back to school, they were falling behind. So in my mind, I was like, 
this is what's going to happen to you. And so even the day that we got the phone call from the hospital, which was around midnight, by 8 a.m., my sister and I were getting ready to go to school and we just went to school like nothing had happened. That was when your mother or your grandmother was? Passed? Yeah, it was when my mom passed away. Yeah. And then your, your grandmother was there to kind of catch you guys? She was in a way, but she was obviously devastated that her only child had passed away. My grandma was quite old at that point. She was already 82. So it was actually my friend's mom. Like I phoned her at the time and I was just like, I just don't know what to do in this situation. And she came around and she was there to support us through a lot of it. And we actually ended up living with her until we went to uni. Wow. Okay. So were you financially on your own very early? No. So even throughout this whole process, like when you transition from foster care to adoptive care, you still have social workers that check in regularly to see that things are going okay at home, to see you're developing normally. Throughout this whole process of my mom being sick, we were getting more frequent social worker visits. And then when my friend's mom decided to take us in, she was getting like financial support from social workers as well. And then when we're at uni, basically your social workers, it depends on what area you're from in the UK, but where we are from, your social workers will support you until you leave care. And the point at which you leave care is the point where you leave education. So while we were at uni, they were also giving us um, some support through uni. And then when you finish uni, that is like leaving care and you will like never hear from them again. It's very abrupt. Was that your experience? Yeah, that was my experience for sure. It's like, you know, you when you're at uni, you'll get a couple of email check-ins kind of asking how you're going and if you need us to, they, so the financial support that they provide is they helped us out with our university accommodation. And so they were just like, oh, if you need to send an invoice send this, if you need some details send this, but then as soon as you finish, it's like, congratulations on finishing uni and good luck. And that's, that's it. How did that make you feel on an emotional front? Um, that was difficult because, you know, you're obviously seeing like your friends around you having their graduation experiences and all their families coming together and then not quite having that same experience and then also thinking like oh like now I really do have to kind of like do this on my own and although you're not frequently in contact with them like in the back of your mind you know that they're there but then knowing that like as soon as you finish education that they're not going to be there I think that was one of the big reasons that influenced me to go back and study for my master's because it had never really been a dream of mine to go back and study for my master's degree but I was like oh if I go back for one more year of university then I'm going to continue to be supported by them I'm going to continue to have that time to figure out what I actually want to do And so since I've left Scotland, they've actually changed the legislation around leaving care to support people up until the age of, I think it's almost 30 now, um, so that people aren't being left so abruptly with no emotional support because you just have never experienced something like that. It's, It's very jarring. Yeah, that's a very jarring experience. What did you get your master's in? I got my master's in digital marketing. Cool. That explains your digital marketing success. You've got the perfect blend of being really good at telling your story and being able to put it together with, with visions and you know everything you do is awesome. All right. So, so at what point did you start to say, okay, I need to look inward and change some things? Was it right after university? Um, it was towards the end of my time at university when I was noticing So having had that experience at school where I knew what depression and anxiety were, I realized that I was beginning to experience. um, And in my like first degree, I noticed that I was beginning to experience a lot of anxiety and it was mainly around the fear of like, you're going to finish and then what are you going to do? Like if you don't, my fear was like, if I didn't find a job completely afterwards, that I would be homeless. And that was a really big fear for me. 
So I'd started going to therapy to work through that, but because of the National Health Service in Scotland, which means free healthcare, but it also means that the resources are extremely stretched. So when I went for one certain type of therapy, they're like, we're not going to be able to give that to you for about a year and a half. Here's what you can do instead. Um, And that was talking therapy. So you can go there and you can talk and you can say, these are all these things I'm dealing with, but they can't actually provide you with any solutions. They just have to say, "Mm, that sounds difficult or that sounds hard, but they're not really allowed to provide opinions or tools to help you. So although it was helpful in some ways, in other ways, I just I just wanted some kind of direction and some guidance, which is not what I was getting. And then as I transitioned into my master's, I was like, okay, this feeling will go away when I have one more year, but it didn't. It just kind of intensified over, okay, but I've still only got one more year to figure out what I want to do. And so anxiety and depression was definitely building for me. And it got to a point where I just felt completely overwhelmed and like I couldn't go on anymore because it had really become something in my everyday life. Like I would go out and do things with friends and I'm like, but I can't really share how I'm feeling with my friends because no one's going to empathize to this struggle. No one's going to really truly be able to advise me because they don't know what I'm experiencing. And I even felt like I couldn't talk to my sister about it because my sister didn't really seem to be worrying the way that I was worrying. And she had things all figured out and she didn't seem to have that what am I going to do next? She seemed to naturally evolve into what she was going to do next. So I felt very alone in that struggle. And there was probably people I could have talked to, but in my mind, it felt like there was no one. So there was a period where I stopped going to university. I stopped going out. I was severely depressed. I wasn't leaving the house at all. And that lasted for a couple of months for sure. And at what point did did things kind of start to change for you where you realized that you had to see reality differently to create the life that you wanted? So actually what happened was a friend had ended up coming with me to the doctors because I'd been a couple of times before and they were just like, no, there's nothing we can really do. So my friend came with me and again, I kind of said what I was going through and they're like, yeah, there's nothing that we can do. And then my friend basically spoke on my behalf and was like, she needs to see someone. This is getting a desperate situation. And the next month I was in therapy. And although, you know, I would love to say that things went really well from there, unfortunately, My therapist and I did not have a good relationship. I felt like she didn't respect me and we didn't see eye to eye. So I didn't um, end up pursuing it much longer than a couple of months. But that was the catalyst that I needed to make some changes in my own life and to really go down my personal development journey, my self-development journey for myself. Why do you think the doctor didn't take you seriously and you needed a friend to kind of come in and say, no, this is serious? I think that they did take me seriously, but they were just like, we just don't really have the resources And also at that time, I was also dealing with undiagnosed chronic pain, which I now know to be endometriosis. But at that time, they were like, oh, you know, it's just part of being a woman. So maybe some of this tied in with that, with them not really knowing the extent of how how things were going for me. And my friend, he, he was a man. So I don't know whether they took him more seriously because he was a guy. But yeah. Did you leave that situation feeling very unheard and very unsupported and also very lost in in your own journey? Yeah, definitely. I ended up moving um, doctor practice because one of them, I just felt like I was just hitting a wall with them. And I when I had spoke to them about the fact that I thought I could potentially be experiencing depression, they were like, oh, well, don't you have friends that you could talk to? What? Which I felt was a really minimize, really minimized my struggle. And again, with my endo, when I was like, I think that this is, you know, something's really wrong here. And they're just like, oh, no, it's just, it's just part of growing up and being a woman. I'm just like, I'm in crippling pain and no one else seems to be. And they're just like, it will pass. So now I just, I think it's so important to have someone who understands and who will, even if they don't understand, just listen, you know, truly listen. Listen. 
at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O a big part of my mission is helping women specifically advocate for themselves in medical situations. I think in too many situations, we give all of our power to the medical system to provide us with answers to what our struggles are. And while that can sometimes happen very precisely and quickly, Oftentimes it doesn't. And we need to speak up for ourselves when what they're saying doesn't fit with what we're experiencing. And what you experienced, you know, sort of like a gaslighting or a minimizing really breaks my heart because that can really cause somebody to spiral. And especially if it's mental health related, really cause those those feelings to fester when being validated is more helpful. You know, I'm sure it was jarring when your therapist said to you when you were just 14, 15, you know, this sounds more like depression, but unless I I, I heard you wrong, it kind of sounds like that was also kind of validating to hear somebody put a label to this, this experience that you, you didn't know much about and orient you in a, in a space and then provide tools. Is that accurate? That that's really a lot, a big part of my experience. Definitely. What's also really awesome is that you didn't lose faith in, in the medical system. You found a different way to advocate for yourself and get the right care. And even when the therapist didn't work out, you were like, okay, well, this is in my own hands now. And what was the first thing that you did to kind of begin this new journey? So the first time I'd gone to therapy, actually, I was on my way home from the session and she called me when I was on my way home and she's like, I think you need to buy this book. Um, And it was about overcoming low self-esteem by Melanie Fennell. So I went and bought that book and then reading that helped me. There was a lot of CBT techniques in there, like 
testing the validity of the thoughts that you were having. And so things like that really helped me to begin to shift my perspective and kind of shift out of that, like almost like doomsday thinking, like everything in my mind was like the worst case scenario. Like if someone was looking at me, someone's talking about me and someone's thinking something horrible about me. If I was like a little bit behind on coursework, I was going to fail and get kicked out of my course. So everything felt like really extreme. And then also I began to talk to my tutors at uni about how I was feeling as well. So I'd spoken to one of my tutors at uni. And again, this was kind of like a similar experience with the doctors where I had tried to get therapy through uni before because they had university therapists as well. And they were like, sorry, we're really stretched. We can't get you in. And then I'd spoken to one of my tutors about how I was feeling and how I was falling behind on work because I was depressed. And then he'd managed to get me in with the university therapist like a couple of weeks later. So you only get a certain amount of sessions with the university therapist and they're more focused on like your anxiety or your depression is linked to being overwhelmed by work. They're not really looking at the scope outside of that, but it helped me to like build a study plan so that the work that I was doing inside of uni didn't feel so overwhelming. I had a job that was more flexible where I was doing promo work. So I was earning more money for doing less hours, which worked around the not overwhelming me, feeling like I had to be somewhere at that time and I could just choose shift that's work well for me and then I was doing my own personal development practices like reading personal development books or listening to audios and things that were really helping me I think the biggest thing for me was shifting my perspective because the thing is like when you're so deep in depression or anxiety like it becomes like your new way of being like you know it like we at the beginning of the episode it's it's your identity so you're like I I am depressed this is who I am and so it takes a lot of work to shift out of that perspective and begin to see like potential again like potential for things to be good but when you can get a glimmer of that like there is potential for things to get better there is potential to feel better there is potential to see myself differently even that like hope makes so much difference totally relate to that especially in my own history of depression as well as my recent bout of postpartum depression So it sounds like despite looking like a high achiever on the outside, you're getting amazing grades, you're achieving really well. Your inner belief is things are happening to me and you were constantly waiting for that other shoe to drop. I mean, given your your history, that makes a lot of sense. But I think a lot of our listeners might not have your history or my history. But when you are dealing with depression, anxiety, or just your current mindset, I think a lot of us are kind of just waiting for that other shoe to drop. And it really limits our ability to enjoy, to have pleasure. And like you said, it takes away hope and any glimmers that things could be better, right? Like that it's really hard to shift out of that too. What sort of advice could you offer somebody who's in that hot seat right now of just their adrenaline's really high, they're waiting for the next thing to get to go wrong and their perspective is really narrow what sort of glimmers of hope can they be on the lookout for? I think one of the most important things is that you don't need to jump from where you are right now to like, everything is amazing. And I think that's a misconception. Like when you're depressed, people are like, oh, well, you know, it's, you don't have it as bad or things can be better or there's always someone who has it worse. 
and they're just like trying to get you to be happy and not from a place of like maliciousness but I think just people generally not having an understanding of mental health and I think that can actually be more detrimental to your situation rather than let's move you from everything is terrible to everything is okay and that step is actually in the grand scheme of things almost more impactful than from going from everything is okay to life is extraordinary so when you can get yourself to the position of just like coulds possibilities or things are like mediocre um, I think that's a really great jumping off point so rather than like trying to push yourself too far up the hill how can you get yourself to a place where you think things are okay and I think like you've kind of brought up here like I think when people hear the word manifestation there's this over focus on thinking only about the good and that's something that you actually disagree with how can approaching the negative the difficult the painful help you become a whole person The problem is if we don't approach our negative negative thoughts, and when I say negative, I don't mean that they're like bad. We'll just use positive and negative terminology because that's what people are used to. And so if we don't face those thoughts, if we don't allow ourselves to feel them, it's not like we're never going to experience them. It's like when they do come up, we're going to have the additional feelings of guilt and shame. And it's the guilt and shame that really, truly causes us to feel bad rather than the negative emotions themselves. So I remember when I was feeling depressed and also at this time I'm learning about positive thinking which in some ways was inspiring me but in other ways I was like oh no I had another negative depressed thought because I was obviously depressed and I'm like oh no I'm not supposed to be thinking this way and when we have these like supposed to's and should's like it's just putting so much unnecessary stress on you so when you actually allow yourself to accept and look at the thoughts that you're having you can process them and you actually build your capacity to experience difficult things so Although I was like a child when my mom passed away, when my grand passed away, when my friend passed away, if I had let myself experience that, then when the next one happened, it may not have just like compounded to build that like extra effect of everything blowing up because I'd have been like, oh, it is okay to experience grief. It is okay to experience these moments. And now that I do have that approach to life, for example, I still experience grief. Mother's Day, Christmases, birthdays, these are still probably for the rest of my life going to be triggering events for me because it reminds me of something that I don't have. But now rather than just like pretend everything's fine, I'm like, this is actually a sad moment. I might reach out to a friend and say, this is a really hard day for me. Can we do something? I might just cry in my room. And it makes me feel better to actually look at that rather than say, this is something I should be ashamed of. I think it's really refreshing to be talking about manifestation, positive thoughts, creating a reality that you want based on your desires, and also be talking about the reality that life is hard. You know, your life is particularly difficult and your story is unique, but every listener has their own hardship, whether it's about loss or health or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that that has shaped them there. And I think to really acknowledge the hard parts of life and to sit here as a manifestation coach and say, I still struggle with hard days, hard moments, and I acknowledge them. I don't push them down is a really important part of the conversation that isn't getting the airtime that it deserves and it, that it needs. I truly believe that everybody that I know that's in the manifestation coaching space or has said that manifestation has changed their life, what they really mean is I am processing my life from a completely different frequency, all of it. But that's kind of left out of the conversation. So I'm glad we kind of had an opportunity to really understand the gravity of what you've specifically experienced 
what you continue to experience and your word be triggered by and how crying is part of your reality, just like it's part of my reality and how sadness and, and those days don't hold us back from our future. It helps us better be part of our future. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And uh, just when you said that, it reminded me of something. I don't know if you've seen the film Inside Out, but one of the characters from that is called Sadness. And I had the little like soft toy from um, that film and everyone's like, why did you pick the sad one? And I'm like, no, because sadness is part of my life too, but it doesn't have to be a bad thing. And they're like, oh yeah. And I think we have to give, you know, all of the emotions, all of the feelings, we have to give them a bit of airtime and we can choose to accept them, acknowledge them. And if we want to, we can then transmute them and then use that energy to, to build something beautiful. Which you clearly have. So shifting into your work a little bit, You've created something called the Vibes Method, and you already touched a little bit upon what you do in the beginning, but can you break down what the Vibes Method is? Yes. So the Vibes Method is basically my five-step method for aligned manifestation. And I just want to clarify that when I say method, I'm not like, this is the exact practices that you have to do at the exact steps. And if you don't do this, then your manifestation is not going to come through. It's more like a framework where you can pick and choose what practices you're going to do within that. And ultimately, you know, as I said, it's to help you come in deeper alignment with yourself and so that your manifestation process is built in integrity with who you are and what practices work for you. So we did kind of touch on the first step before, which is embodying the vibe of your higher self. And that really looks at getting clear on your values and what's important to you so that from this place, you can build out your intentions. And when I say higher self, what I really mean is your truest self. So it's not like I am so far from my higher self. I'm not good enough and beating yourself up from that perspective. It's just like, I want to be in more integrity with who I'm here to be. From there, we go into the second step, which is now setting powerful intentions. And what I've noticed is if people set poor intentions, then the results are not going to be what they want them to be. So setting powerful intentions is like, how can we set intentions that empower you, that feel exciting to say, and that are also working with both your conscious and subconscious mind to begin manifesting the life that you truly desire? Because what I can see happening is we'll set an intention at a conscious level up here and be like, yep, totally on board with it. Good to go. And then if your subconscious mind isn't on board with it, what you're going to notice is like all that kind of self-sabotage creeping in and you're going to feel like you're kind of with yourself a little bit and not understanding why you wouldn't want the best for yourself which I can particularly see with like high achievers and ambitious women who are so used to like doing loads of things and getting loads of things and you're like well success is just who I am why am I not getting there in the manner that I expected which kind of leads us into the next point which is energetic blocks and boundaries and here is where we look at things like limiting beliefs we look at trauma we look at all the things that are impacting why your intention would not actually manifest into your reality and I think a really undertouched upon part in the manifestation space is boundaries and the importance of setting those strong boundaries, because when you're giving your time, your energy, your resources away to the things that aren't serving you, it's taking away that time and energy from the things that do. And so recently I've been having a lot of conversations around this on yes, use the law of attraction to attract what you want, but let's not forget that a magnet goes both ways. And you actually also have to like repel the things that you don't want in order to create the space for the things that you want as well. So that is a conversation that I really enjoy having. 
And from there, when you've got those strong boundaries, when you're working through those limiting beliefs and when you're working through your subconscious programming, then those deep shifts are really beginning to happen because it's not just about creating that superficial, like, oh, I manifested this thing this one time and that felt easy, but like, how can I change my perspective on life so that I continue to create the life that I want to have and also get to really enjoy it to the fullest extent of your ability? So the final two steps are balancing your feminine and masculine energy, which look at the way that we take action. So we all have feminine and masculine energy within us, no matter what gender you identify with, or if you don't identify with a gender at all. Um, And it's really about the way that we show up in the world. So masculine is more focused around the strategy and the giving energy. That's like the empowered masculine and the empowered feminine is more about the receiving energy. And it's about the flow and the intuitive connection. And often where there's a disconnect with action is that people will be trying to force themselves to act in an energy that doesn't really resonate with them. Particularly for women, this can sometimes look like, well, the only way to do business is to do it in the masculine way. That's what we've been taught. That's what we've been told. And that actually goes against the way that you truly want to take action. So that's not necessarily going to be the same for every woman, but that can be a case I often see. And what you'll notice is the energy that you're strongly in, you will attract people to the contrary. So one of my closest friends, she is like super in her masculine, loves all of the structure, strategy, all of these things. And I'm very much in my feminine and our friendship works really well because we're both of those opposing forces. And then finally is surrender. And that's about bringing everything together and building that relationship with the trust you have in yourself and the trust you have in the universe and how we can begin to create those internal permission slips for the lives that we want to live. Amazing. You said so much, and I feel like I could extract on every single one of those steps, but you said one thing that really stood out that I think all of our listeners could really take away from, which is really working on your limiting beliefs. I think our limiting beliefs mostly live in our subconscious and keep their way into our conscious all the time, chipping away at our self-worth, getting in the way of what we want. And we don't flag them. We don't know that there are limited beliefs. What sort of limited beliefs do you see coming up all the time with your clients? One that a lot of people are looking out for is the fear of failure. But what I most commonly see with my clients is the fear of success. And that one, I think, is a lot more insidious because it's unexpected. And then even going into those fear of success, that can maybe look like not wanting to be different from your family and friends, especially if you're maybe an entrepreneur and everyone else in your family has, you know, worked within a company and you don't want to be different. You don't want to be other. You don't want them to, you know, not want to spend time with you anymore. It's being afraid of your own lie and not being able to manage the success if you do get it. Or it's worrying that I'll get the success and then something's going to happen. It's going to be taken away from me. Nothing good can last. So I really think looking at the aspects inside, being afraid of success is very interesting because it's not something that you would expect. Like everyone says like, oh, I want to be successful. I want to be successful. So saying out loud, actually, I do have some fears around this or discovering that about yourself. um, That brings up a lot of questions. I loved a testimonial on your website from one of your past clients. It was a woman from New York City. I believe her name was Hope and she's in her 20s. She said that working with you allowed her to recognize that she had this limiting belief that whatever you trained to be up until your 20s, so whatever you went to school for essentially is what you should be. And you helped her see that nothing's concrete. 
just because you went to school to be a lawyer, let's say, doesn't mean that you have to be a lawyer, which even though you've invested all that, all those finances and the time, and even though you went to school for digital marketing, right, doesn't mean that you have whatever it is. And I thought that was such a prime example of what somebody in their 20s might be struggling with this idea that I know I'm supposed to be this, so I should be this and circling that thought a million times over where they're not fulfilled. They don't know why they're not happy. And they haven't uprooted that idea, that idea that I think I have to do this because I should, you know, it's she verbalized it and made it tangible, but it's very intangible for a lot of people. And I think that, you know, in your thirties, there's probably a ton of, of limiting beliefs, such as I should have children at this time, or I should be able to buy a house, you know, like whatever it is. And then in your forties, there's, there's all these themes that constantly are, are going through people's lives for our listeners. And we get listeners from probably age 15 to 70. Like we've got a wide variety of listeners here for their own personal work. Can you provide any tip or tool for them to start uprooting their subconscious limiting beliefs right now? So one really simple thing that you can do is journaling. And I know everyone talks about journaling, but I want to give you some context behind why it's so powerful. So as I was talking about before, a lot of manifestation is a relationship between your conscious and subconscious mind. Um, what many people don't realize is that 95% of your mental life is subconscious and just 5% of it is conscious. So conscious is what's like giving you the directions and subconscious is what's following out those directions. So when you're journaling, especially if you're facing a period of confusion right now where you're like, I don't know the answers, I don't know what to do. Consciously, you may not know the answer, but consciously, if you write a question, subconsciously, you're going to answer that question. And while I recently had the situation with one of my clients and she's like, I asked her a question about something and she's like, you know what? I've been thinking about it for a couple of days. Nothing's coming to me. I'm like, if you find yourself ruminating on it, have you actually, you know, tried to verbalize it outside of your own head? Have you like spoken to yourself or have you just like written it down? She's like, I was getting so wrapped up in trying to find the perfect answer that I didn't just like let myself, you know, have that space of flow. So whenever you have something that you're not quite sure on, you know, going back to what I said about externalizing the need for a sign, one of the ways that you can create that internal permission slip is just to have the assumption that you know, and then ask yourself questions, whether you're writing down and asking yourself questions or whether you are just like opening up a voice note and creating like your own podcast episode to yourself and just talking and seeing what comes out. I think it's incredibly powerful and we underestimate just how powerful our intuition is and how deep that intuitive connection runs. I love that you gave people different outlets to do it, you know, whether it's writing, whether it's audio whether it's, you know, another, another form of just saying it out loud, because I think everybody has different, different ways of releasing the pent up emotions. I know sometimes in therapy with my therapist, she'll ask me a question. And like you said, I kind of feel like I need to provide an answer, but it doesn't come to me necessarily in that form. And even though I think I have a good rapport with my therapist and it's a safe place, if I were to write in a journal and ask that same question, I'm able to I call it like emotionally sifting, like go through the garbage of what's coming through my head, even if it doesn't make sense. And then underneath that is usually some sort of a gem that I know what to do and work with. But if somebody asks me, if you ask me right now, what's wrong? And I was upset. I feel like I have to provide an answer. And it's not always obvious why we're upset, why we're scared, whatever that limiting belief is in, in this context. 
But if you put something to paper, I want to give our listeners, or you put something in an audio note, I want to give you permission to not see it as permanent. When I write in my journal, it's not so that I can go back and read it. I know some people do and they like to do that. But for me, I could I could light that thing on fire after I write it because it's, you know, it, it's such a, a grounds for me to just figure it out. And I oftentimes don't need to revisit it because it has provided me with what I need to use that day. And then I'm so much more empowered. Um, and that's coming from somebody who's been in the wellness space for a very long time. I'm like a very old OG. I'm an old OG. <laughs> and my point in saying that is because I really didn't give journaling the time of day for a long time because why, why, why? I don't know, but I, I didn't recognize the value that it can provide and the answers that it can give you. And by it, I mean, you can give yourself <laughs> like that's the coolest part. It's a way to really get to know what's underneath. And you gave such a great example when you said that the unconscious, can you tell me those numbers again, actually? Yes. So your conscious mind is 5% of your mental life. And then your unconscious mind is 95%. And if you're kind of struggling to get your head around like, well, how could that be possible? Just think about like the processes that you go through on a daily basis, like brushing your teeth, making your bed. Like you're not consciously thinking about how to do those things. You're not having to relearn those things every day. So think about how many instances of things like that you're doing throughout the day. And then you can begin to see like, okay, I can, I can see how I am actually running subconsciously. Yeah, we're, we're asleep for so long and it's only until we awaken what's underneath can we begin to drive our ship into the direction that we want to go to, which I think is what you kind of help people do because doing this alone is so hard, but having a coach take you through that, I think is really key, especially because there's so much to sift through. Did you have your own manifestation coach before you began doing this? So I didn't have a specific manifestation coach, but I've definitely had a couple of mindset coaches in the past and a couple of business coaches as well. And I think it is really powerful for helping you to get outside of your own head and just externalize and just work through things and also someone to help you see the extent of your own power as well. I think that's a huge part of it. I loved what you just said, having somebody there to see the extent of your power, especially in those moments where you're a little bit out of touch with it yourself can be what it's really about. This is about somebody else saying, I see it in you. And then you believing it and you becoming it. And really you returning to what was within you all along. Yeah. It's like this infinity loop. So where can people find you? So you can find me on my podcast, the Manifest Edit Podcast. I'm on Instagram and TikTok, to underscore. And then I also have a free training on the power of subconscious manifestation, where I go deeper into what we talked about today and how to really work with your conscious and subconscious mind to create the reality that you would like to experience. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Yes, I will definitely put them there. And one last thing, or actually two last things I want to kind of ask you. When you reached out to me and said you wanted to come on the show, one of the things that I know was important to you was making sure that in the personal development space, people of color see people of color. In your experience, do you think that people of color do feel that reality that this isn't a space for them because there isn't a lot of representation? And how can we change that? Oh, for sure. And um, even before I was in the wellness space, I was in the travel space, um, particularly solo travel blogging. And I would get a lot of questions. And these questions would not actually be particularly about things to do in the destination or how is this destination? It was like, was it safe for us there? Like, were there other people that looked like us there? How was that experience? And because 
while there are travel influencers going to all these spaces, typically they were all looking kind of the same kind of way, whether that was, you know, they're all one color or whether they're all able-bodied or they're all a certain type of weight. Like when you don't see yourself reflected in that, it really does make such a big impact in feeling like whether you're invited to the table or not. And I have certainly seen that in this space as well. Like even when I was starting my podcast, people reaching out to me like, wow, I've never seen a black manifestation podcast before. Or how did you find my podcast? I was looking for manifestation podcast and then I saw a black face on one of the cover photos. So yeah, it, it really makes an impact. And I think it's so important for me, not just to help other black women learn from other black women, but to help everyone learn from people of color because you know, experiences are different. Definitely. And I think that's so important that we recognize that this work is for everybody and not dismiss it because we don't see somebody in the space. And I think it's cool for you to be one of what I know to be as the first, you know, according to you, there's not a lot of representation Um, and to see you kind of taking the lead and showing up for all those people that are going to benefit from is really huge. What is the coolest thing that you've ever manifested? It would probably be a joint. Can it, can it be a joint place? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's probably between winning $9,000 of competition prizes and manifesting a trip to Coachella with a stranger. What? Okay. Just tell me a little bit about the money. So in 2020, I had a lot of spare time on my hands as many of us did. And I had this friend who was, she was, I knew she was winning loads of competitions, but I was definitely of the skeptical belief like, oh, you know, these are just things that some people win. Um, but because I had some time on my hands, I was like, listen, I'm interested in learning more about how you're entering all these competitions, winning all these competitions. And so we started entering competitions together after the first week, we won our first competition together. Where, and that where was like are these the, competitions? Just like an Instagram competition, you know, no like way. tag your friend on this competition. So we did that. We won our first one within a week. And after that, that was kind of like the evidence that I needed. And I was like, okay, if it's possible to win like one competition with my friend, then it's possible for me to win a competition. And if it's possible for me to win a competition, my belief is that I win a competition every single week. And so for the next six months, I won at least at least one every week. Um, I won holiday, money, clothes, food, teeth whitening, everything. <laughs> and this year, like I obviously haven't had as much time to enter competitions, but I did enter three. I entered three competitions this year. Out of those three, I won two of them. Wow. Wow. Because you believed it. That's the key. Yeah. Your teeth are very white. I have to say they came through the teeth whitening. <laughs> they really came through. It was something I'd wanted for a long time. So I was like, yes, um, I think it's just, yeah, get, you know, like we've touched on before, moving yourself to that place of possibility. Even if you don't believe in something hundred percent, can you get yourself to position when you believe in its possibility more than you believe in its impossibility? But for me, it was something that was like, even now it's such a strong belief where I'm like, of course, of course I would win two out of three competitions. Yes. Of course, I'm the competition queen. <laughs> you really are. I see it on you. I see the crown. It's awesome though, because it was something that was kind of playful and available for you to try on for size. And you really tried it on and it worked out. And I'm sure it only ignited more fire within you to see what you're capable of achieving if you believe it. Yes, exactly that. Well, you are certainly living your truthiest life. Your life has been nothing short of incredible. That being said, also very difficult, but it's really cool to see you at such a young age be cool, calm, collected, acknowledge all of your emotions and create a real amazing life for yourself and help so many along the way. So I'm thankful for your work and I'm thankful for you living your truthiest life. And I'm thankful to be here. Thanks so much.
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 